You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome back for another installment of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, the talk that makes your body rock. Our program, as always, is dedicated to helping you find that most important, most elusive, and most precious of all things, the perfect orgasm. Now, before we get into our episode today, I do want to remind all you little listeners out there that if you're searching for some naughtiness on the internet, then please make sure that you're visiting our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys. Because if you're in the market for an adult toy, or if you need help finding that perfect adult toy, Adam and Eve Toys is your destination. Head on over there, and by being a renegade listener, they're going to give you one hell of a deal. Make sure you use special code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9. They're going to give you 50% off of one item, but that's not all, no, no. They're also going to throw in free shipping, three choice adult movies, and a very, very special Renegade listener-only gift. And let me tell you something, the folks over at Adam and Eve really do know how to treat you right. So make sure you head on over there today and pick up something really, really naughty for you, a friend, or maybe just for me. Also, don't forget that the Renegade Talk Radio Network is growing by leaps and bounds every single day. We've got a brand new website that if you haven't checked it out already, you need to head on over there and check that out as well. Because it's so much easier to find all your favorites, so make sure that you've got it bookmarked. And make sure that you check out all of our fascinating and provocative shows. We have Cannabis Talk with Patty Cakes, Queen of the Cannabis, Political Insight from Lou Colagiovanni, Deep Insight into Conspiracies and Conspiracy Theories with Everly Isby, Entrepreneurship and Business with Heather Heavenwood, and as always, Hilarity and Thought-Provoking Hijinks with our own Richie and Sammy the Sausage Man. You can also check out my new show, The World in My Eyes, where I get to talk about all the crazy things that go on in my head. So don't forget, we have a lot more great talk radio on its way to you, so make sure you check back daily, because I promise you, you do not want to miss what's coming up next. And we have spent such a great deal of time getting very intimate with each other, but just in case you're new to the Renegade Nation family, I am the naughty mistress with the mostest, the melodic goddess of getting it on, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And the only thing that I ever ask of you, my dear sweet listeners, is that you keep an open mind, put aside what you think you know, sit back and relax, and we'll run down this crazy road of life together. And don't ever forget, orgasms are nature's way of saying, life sucks a bunch of ass. But here, here's a little candy for you. And on today's episode of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, we're going to be looking at the many ways that pornography has influenced us as adults. From the critical to the technological, we're looking at the influence of porn. And before we jump into it too deeply, and yes, that pun is totally intended, I'd like to apologize to you, my dear listeners. I pride myself on being punctual and timely when I post my episodes, and unfortunately today I'm a little late. 
And that was simply because I was trying to bring you a very big surprise. And while my surprise didn't pan out for this week, it is still in the works. But we'll talk about that a little later on. For now, let's take a deep, hard look at porn. I know it's your favorite. It's my favorite. For most people, pornography really has no negative effects. It may even deter sexual violence. And truthfully, back in the good old days, it used to be tough to get porn. I know that's hard to believe. Renting an X-rated movie required sneaking into the roped-off room in the back of your local video store, eyeing that centerfold might mean facing down the store clerk just to buy that pornographic magazine. But now, pornography is just a simple Google search away. And for the most part, most of it is free. Age restrictions have become pretty much meaningless. You know, with the advent of social media and all. At least one teenager in every five has sent or posted a naked picture of themselves online. And that's according to the National Campaign to Prevent Teen and Unplanned Pregnancies. But with access to pornography easier than it ever was before, politicians and scientists alike have renewed their interest in deciphering its psychological effects. Well, I can tell you one effect. It makes you feel pretty fucking good. Certainly, pornography addiction or overconsumption seems to cause relationship problems. But what about the more casual exposure typical of most porn users? Contrary to what many people believe, recent research shows that moderate pornography consumption doesn't really make users more aggressive, promote sexism, or even harm relationships. If anything, some researchers say, exposure to pornography actually might make some people less likely to commit sexual crimes. So, does porn really harm women? Because that's the most common concern about pornography, is that it indirectly hurts women by encouraging sexism, raising sexual expectations, and thereby harming relationships. Blah, blah, blah. Some people worry that it might even incite violence against women. The data, however, doesn't support those claims. No. In fact, there's absolutely no evidence that pornography does anything negative. The fact is, it's a moral issue, not a factual one. In 2007, researchers at the University of Zagreb in Croatia surveyed 650 young men about their pornography use and sex lives and found that 650 men are going to lie. Okay, no, I'm sorry, that's not what they said. As they reported in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, the scientists found that users of mainstream, nonviolent pornography were neither more nor less sexually satisfied than non-users. Both groups felt the same degree of intimacy in their current or recent relationships and shared the same range of sexual experiences. But when it came to violent or fetishist porn, the groups diverged. Consumers of these types of pornography appeared to masturbate more frequently, have more sexual partners over the course of their life, and experience slightly less relationship intimacy than their nonviolent porn viewing counterparts. Regular pornography does not seem to encourage sexism either. 
In 2007, Alan McKee, a cultural studies expert at the Queensland University of Technology in Australia, designed a questionnaire to assess sexual sexist tendencies. He enclosed his survey in shipments of pornographic material distributed by a mail-order company and also posted it online. How come I didn't see this one? Hmm, I would have had a lot of fun with that one. Responses from the 1,023 pornography users indicated that the amount of pornography the subjects consumed didn't predict whether they would hold negative attitudes toward women. The survey respondents who were most sexist were generally older men who voted for a right-wing political party, lived in a rural area, and had a lower level of former education. Hmm, so basically what they're saying is dumb old stupid white guys that live out in the sticks are sexists. Was that really news? I don't think it was. But the questionnaire itself may have missed a key nuance. In a study that was published in 2004 in the Journal of Psychology and Human Sexuality, researchers at Texas Tech University administered a different survey to male and female college students and found that although consumers of pornography did not display more negative attitudes towards women, they were more likely than other respondents to believe that women should be protected from harm, what the investigators called benevolent sexism. In other words, the Prince Charming Syndrome. Perhaps the most serious ac accusation against pornography, though, is that it incites sexual aggression. But not only do rape statistics suggest otherwise, some experts believe the consumption of pornography may actually reduce the desire to rape by offering a safe, private outlet for deviant sexual desires. Hmm, I can think of a few people that probably need to watch more porn. Or at the very least, makes them really, really tired so that they don't have time to go out and find someone to rape. Alright, the rates of rape and sexual assault in the U.S. are at their lowest level since the 1960s. The same goes for other countries. As access to pornography grew in the once restrictive Japan, China, and Denmark in the past 40 years, rape statistics plummeted. Within the U.S., the states with the least internet access between 1980 and 2000, and by association, the least amount of access to internet pornography, experienced a 53% increase in rape incidences, whereas the states with the most access experienced a 27% drop in the number of reported rapes. So, it's important to note that these associations are just that associations. They don't seem to prove that pornography is the cause of the observed crime reductions, but nevertheless the trends just don't fit with the theory that rape and sexual assault are in part influenced by pornography, which personally I don't agree with. At this point I think we can say that the evidence, it just isn't there, and it's time to put this belief to rest. What if it turns out that pornography use actually does reduce the desire to rape? It's a controversial idea, I'll admit, but the studies seem to support it. Work in the 1960s and 70s reported that sexual criminals tend to be exposed to pornographic materials at a later age than non-criminals. In 1992, Richard Green, a psychiatrist at Imperial College London, disclosed in his book, Sexual Science and the Law, that 
patients requesting treatment in clinics for sex offenders commonly said that pornography helped to keep them to help to keep their abnormal sexuality within the confines of their own imagination. In that, pornography seems to be protective. Perhaps because exposure correlates with lower levels of sexual repression, which is a potential rape risk factor. And repression seems to figure prominently into the puzzle that is pornography. In 2009, Michael P. Tuhig, a psychologist at Utah State University, asked 299 undergraduate students whether they considered their pornography consumption problematic. What I find problematic is that he did 299 students. Why not 300? Seriously, that's going to bug the shit out of me. The fact is, is causing intrusive sexual thoughts or difficulty finding their like-minded partners, he assessed the students with an eye to understanding the root causes to their issues. And it turns out that among porn viewers, the amount of porn each subject had consumed had nothing to do with his or her mental state. What mattered most, is Tuhig found, was whether the subjects tried to control their sexual thoughts and desires. The more they tried to clamp down on their urge for sex or porn, the more likely they were to consider their own pornography use a problem. The findings suggest that suppressing the desire to view pornography, for example, for moral or religious reasons, might actually strengthen the urge for it and actually exacerbate the problem. It's all about personal views and personal values. In other words, the effects of pornography, whether positive or negative, have very little to do with the medium itself and everything to do with the person who's viewing it. All right, my dear listeners, we're just getting started with today's topic. And before we jump too far into it, we do need to take a moment to visit our sponsors and maybe check out a little porn. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. I'm Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. Meet me back here after the break, my little heathens. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so sensual we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. And welcome back, my renegade nation. If you're just tuning in, this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I am still Naughty Nicole. And today we're talking about the long reach of porn's arm. Hmm, well, that sounded a little dirty. I think I like it. 
And I hope that during the break that you took some time to check out the wide selection of adult toys, movies, and oh so much more over at Adam and Eve Toys. Hey, wait a minute. They have porn. Go check it out. Well, not right now. Let's finish our topic first. (laughs) Back to our topic. Where we find that porn may not be such a bad influence on sexual behavior after all. In fact, studies have linked porn consumption to sexual aggression, problems with intimate relationships, and losing one's virginity at an earlier age. But the influence of sexually explicit material on some of those risky behaviors may be a little bit more modest than uh, previously thought. In a study published by the Journal of Sexual Medicine, four researchers argue that previous studies on the subject have been far too narrowly focused when it comes to drawing a connection between X-rated materials and negative outcomes. Such research has often asked some form of the same question, whether what people see will affect what people do. You know, see, I've seen pretty much every Superman movie and Spider-Man and Marvel Avengers and all that good stuff. And I'm not a superhero. So, yeah. Okay. But let's let's talk about what they found. And, well, their results didn't paint porn in a very flattering light with these old studies. But this latest study found that the connection may be less significant than those other studies suggested. Though the work still did provide plenty of support for that anti-pornography contingent. The University of Copenhagen, Gert Martin Hald, and colleagues conducted an online survey of 4,600 young people asking about a broad range of sexual acts, from threesomes to experience with one-night stands to prostitution. They found that among the 15 to 25-year-old participants, almost 90% of the males and nearly half of the females reported that they had used porn sometime in the previous year, the vast majority of which was online. And there is some evidence that widespread access to the Internet with its triple X domains may be pushing exposure up. In 1973, for example, a study found that 84% of men and 69% of adult women, yeah, I caught that one too, go on, giggle that it's 69% of women, had seen pornography, the majority before the age of 21. 35 years later, a 2008 survey in cyber psychology and behavior revealed that 93% of boys and 62% of girls had encountered dirty material online before they hit age 18. Yeah, that number's going to be skewed because seriously, just the dick pics that get sent to my inbox on my email, uh, seriously, there's just no way it's only 62%. Heightened exposure, they found, was associated with high risk of sexual practices, like accepting some kind of payment for sex. But when we stop and think about it, don't we all kind of take some kind of payment for sex? Never mind. Let's not get into that. Anyways, the team also tried also tied porn usage to adventurous behaviors, like having real-life sex with someone that they had met online which some experts believe may lead to increased rates of sexually transmitted diseases. Okay, so first of all, you ask 4,300 young people under the age of 25 if they're willing to have sex with someone they just met. 
Have these people never been to a bar? Seriously? Anyways, the researchers did emphasize that the link between porn and risky business isn't absolute or clear-cut. Duh. For example, there may be other contributors to the promiscuous behavior, like a tendency toward thrill-seeking, which in turn could make young people just more likely to experiment with porn. Pornography is just one factor among many that influence the sexual behaviors of young people. While they caution that the findings should not be interpreted as an indication that the influence is negligible or non-existent or even unimportant, the results should inform educators and policymakers who may turn too quickly to the ubiquity of sexually explicit material as the primary culprit for society's attitudes towards sex. Expanding the list of potential contributors could lead to more effective ways of curbing those perilous behaviors, like addressing the thrill-seeking that turns sexual encounters solely into opportunities for attaining physical pleasure or engaging in sexual exploration. Once again, I'm going to say, people under the age of 25 tend to sexually explore. It's kind of the way it's been since the dawn of time. I don't think porn has anything to do with it. A 2008 study, for example, showed that self-control and planning ahead helped gay men to avoid careless behavior that could put their own health at risk. There's also the fact that public tolerance of sexually explicit material is, well, increasing. A 2011 Gallup poll found a growing generational divide when it came to pornography. Only 19% of people 55 and older said that it was morally acceptable compared with more than 40% of people ages 18 to 34. If opposing porn continues to lose popular support among young people, that's just one more reason to explore other avenues for promoting safe sexual practices. Which brings us to our next question. Does a man's bond with porn ruin them for real-life sex? Because, you know, they say a man's obsession with internet porn can affect their libido, making it impossible for real women to satisfy them. At least, that's the thesis of a feature in a recent issue of New York Magazine. Writer Davy Rothbart describes his own experience of having to fake an orgasm with a woman because of his overuse of porn had made him unable to reach climax during real intercourse. Rothbart went on to tell the story of several other men who had similar difficulties. As he wrote, Porn is not only shaping men's physical and emotional interest in sex on a very fundamental neurological level, but it also having a series of unexpected ripple effects, namely on women. For a lot of guys... Switching gears from porn's fireworks and whiz-bangs to the comparatively mundane calm of ordinary sex is like leaving halfway through an IMAX 3D movie to check out a flipbook. Well, I happen to disagree with Mr. Rothbart. First of all, if your partner isn't exciting you, then maybe the problem is you or your partner. Maybe it has nothing to do with pornography. Now, again, I'm going to go back to... I'm a junkie when it comes to action movies, but you know what? I don't need to drive my car 100 miles an hour, and I don't need to get into fistfights every day to enjoy my life. You know what? 
I'm perfectly fine knowing that it's just a movie. The fact that porn-raised men develop a skewed view of sex really isn't a secret. But Rothbard's reporting on the effects of porn on a neurological level misinterpreted the science. In the piece, he asks if porn could be causing men to detach from their partners in more profound ways, and he answers the question in this way. Scientists speculate that a dopamine-oxytoxin combo is released in the brain during orgasm, acting as a biochemical love potion. As behavioral, behavioral therapist Andrea Kuzinski called it, it's the reason after having sex with someone you're probably more inclined to form an emotional attachment. But you don't have to actually have sex in order to get those neurotransmitters firing. When you watch porn, you're bonding with it. And those chemicals make you want to keep coming back to have that feeling, which allows men not only to get off on porn, but to potentially develop a neurological attachment to it. They can, in essence, date porn. But that's not how oxytoxin works, which is happens to be involved in feelings of love and lifelong bonding. If it was, men would seek a variety of porn. Rather, they'd be monogamous, which whatever material they first found enjoyable. And women would probably fall in love with their vibrators. Oh, wait a minute. Um, uh uh-oh. Well, never mind. We'll get back to that. (laughs) Well, it's quite clear that human beings have an ongoing desire for sexual variety. That's the opposite of the attachment that's triggered by oxytocin. You can't get attached to the novelty, and novelty is what guys like about porn. Most of the men that I've talked to admitted having a habit of jumping quickly from porn clip to porn clip, which explains the rise in popularity of montages and other rapidly edited compilations. (coughs) Tumblr. (coughs) Gif. Okay. There's still much about oxytoxin that isn't known but there's no evidence to suggest that it's involved in the desire for sexual novelty. In fact, the discovery of oxytoxin's social effects came from studies of two species of voles, one monogamous and one promiscuous. Oxytoxin was found to affect the pleasure systems of the brain, mainly in the monogamous voles. Indeed, it was as though the chemical wired their brains to associate their mate, and only that particular mate, with pleasure. It addicted the partners to each other and made the release of other soothing chemicals like endorphins, the brain's own opioid, contingent in part of on their partner's presence. But in the promiscuous voles, oxytocin and vasopressin in the male voles wasn't found in the brain regions that would allow that type of wiring to even occur. So it doesn't seem to be involved at all in the pleasure of variety as far as we currently know it. Of course, it's certainly possible that porn is affecting men's libidos in deleterious ways, and that this is consequently hurting their partners as well. But whatever's going on, the problem with porn isn't that men are bonding with it. It's the opportunities to satisfy the lust for variety have never been more available, while there is more stress than ever on loving relationships. All right, my listeners, it's that time again. I know, don't cry. We do need to talk to our sponsors, so take a moment, check out what our sponsors have to offer, maybe check out a little porn, and meet me back here after the break. 
I'm Naughty Nicole. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. And welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, you've been listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I am still Naughty Nicole, naughty as ever. And today, we've been talking about the never-ending influence of pornography on our lives. And I hope that during the break that you found a little influence of your own by checking out the wide selection of adult toys, movies, and oh so much more over at Adam and Eve Toys. As always, we're going to try and end today on a high note. So, whatever side of the fence that you happen to land on, either pro or con, you really can't deny that porn has had a very strong influence in who we are as adults. More so, porn has actually been at the forefront of technology. That's right, you heard me correctly. Let's talk about how porn influenced technology just to wrap up today's topic. From the very first inklings of film to the days of home video, To the future of companies like Google, pornography has been the catalyst that has launched technology forward, while non-porn compliant products get left in the dust. We are going to take a deep dive and examine how the porn industry shapes and redefines technology. So let's talk about the ways that porn has influenced tech. And I'm going to try and keep it in chronological order for you. Did you happen to know that pornographic movies have been around since the 1800s? That's right. In 1896, a film called La Coucheur de la Marie showed a woman performing a striptease. This is generally considered the very first pornographic film in existence. The high demand for this early masterpiece led the French filmmakers to realize that people would pay top dollars to see a woman get naked on screen. And thus, the genre of pornography was born. Did you know that porn standardized Super 8 film? Yep, that's right. In 1958, a young British glam photographer, Harrison Marks, began making 8mm short films of women undressing and posing topless. These films would become known as glamour home movies. As technology advanced and the ability to record and view lewd acts in the comfort of one's own home became a standard, sales on 8mm cameras and projectors, well, blew up. The Super 8 camera was cheap and 
extremely easy to use, and because of its convenience, became the standard in the porn industry. Did you know that the accessibility of porn on VHS killed the Betamax? Did anybody else sing, Video killed the radio star? Okay, never mind. Sorry about that. During the 1970s, Betamax and VHS battled over which home viewing technology was going to reign supreme. While the wide format of Sony's Betamax made for better quality recordings, each tape only held 60 minutes of footage, as compared to the three hours of footage that VHS held. That meant people couldn't tape their favorite movies on TV or experience three full hours of pornographic movies. Sony toiled over the pornography issue, but ultimately decided against allowing smutty movies to be recorded into the Betamax format. And by the end of the 1970s, erotic films accounted for over half of all videotape sales in the United States, which meant people wanted to get their hands on VCRs, regardless of the fact that they cost $800 back then. I bet Sony's kicking themselves now over Betamax. Did you know that closed captioning is a porno essential? Not only do some people watch porn with the sound on, but those same people are actually interested in what the actors are saying. Quelling the public's demand for descriptive words over the sound of smashing flesh and guttural moans, porn companies have since invested in new software that automates caption placement. It's a shame, though. We could have been a whole nation unified by our ability to read lips. Hmm. Did you know that porn totally runs the internet? That's right. In 2011, there were about 70,000 adult websites. Today, there's more than 4.2 million pornographic websites in the U.S. alone. Porn has shaped and driven the internet to turn it into a beast. At any second in the day, there are at least 30 million unique visitors viewing porn. And I know you're one of them. I am too. Even before the capabilities of streaming video were available, people transmitted porn over the internet as ASCII. Oh, for the, for the good old days. Thanks, smut, for the invention of online payment. That's right. PayPal, you owe your life to porn. For the people out there who still pay and subscribe to sites, you can thank Richard Gordon. In the 90s, Gordon founded Electronic Card Systems, which pioneered credit card transactions for a wide range of pornographic sites. Remember the Pam and Tommy Lee sex tape from 1998? Well, Gordon struck it rich by taking a commission of processing sales from sites which hosted their nautically inclined romp. And, just like Betamax, porn killed HD DVD. Where Sony blew it on Betamax, they made up for it with the release of Blu-ray. Similar to Betamax, HD DVD's quality was technically higher, while Blu-ray simply held more information which meant more behind-the-scenes footage, more deleted scenes, more actor commentary, all naked. Blu-ray's victory was ultimately decided when the porn industry started using Blu-ray as the standard for high definition. And looking to the future, 
You can have sex with Google soon. Ah, the mothership. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Amazon. Never mind. Though it's not yet backed by Google, Glance hopes to bring some adventure into the bedroom with the power of Google Glass. This app, it's going to allow you to see yourself from your partner's point of view while the entire sexual escapade is captured on camera. By syncing your devices with Glance, you'll be able to control the music and lighting all around you. When you're ready to start, simply say, Okay, Glass, it's time. And when you're done, Okay, Glass, pull out. How far we've come. Yes, that's right. And now, my little heathens, on for our surprise. And I have to tell you, I am still fleshing out all the details. Ew, that was kind of an unfortunate choice of words. Ew. All right, well, let's just keep moving forward. See, we were going to have a very special interview. And it's still coming up. (laughs) Pun. (laughs) And it's with a very special and very talented individual. That's right, boys and girls. Hold on to your hats. We're trying to arrange an interview with last year's winner of Best Male Performer from Night Moves and current nominee again this year, star of The Madam from Wicked Pictures and Hard Love from Holly Randall Productions, the one, the only, and the very sexy Ryan Driller. And I'm not going to lie to you, just thinking about getting to pick at that man's sexiest organ? Mm. What? I'm talking about his brain, you naughties. Well, I'm not going to kid. I am really excited about it. Might have to head on over to Adam and Eve and pick up something special for that interview. So make sure you have the Renegade Talk Radio Network website bookmarked so that you'll know the instant that Mr. Driller's going to be on the show. That's going to be one episode that you do not want to miss. I promise it's going to be a lot of fun. And with that, we've come to the end of another episode. And I hope that you've enjoyed today's ride. (laughs) I hope you learned a little something, or maybe you just liked the ride. And if you did, well, don't hesitate to let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com, or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. If you like what you're hearing so far, and you want an even wilder ride, make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional, Confidential Admissions from Social Media, available now on Amazon.com and all other major booksellers. That's our time for today, and I want to thank you for joining me on Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. Don't forget to join me next time because we're going to get really naughty. Until then, remember one of my favorite quotes about porn, and I hope it's one of yours, from Bananas, the great Woody Allen. I once stole a pornographic book that was printed in Braille. I used to rub the dirty parts. So make sure you're rubbing all those dirty parts, my loves. See you next time, my precious little heathens. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.